0: Good morning and welcome to Nature Watch. Nature Watch is brought to you by Waddell's Nursery, Floral, Garden, and Bird Center at the corner of 12th Street and Millam Road. And now, your host of Nature Watch, it's Gary
1: Miller. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Yes, I get- it's a lot foggy out there this morning. i just a little fog.
0: That's okay. We get through the fog and we get a uh, summer part two, three, where are we
1: at? Uh, 2B <laughs> or something like that. I don't know, 2C. Uh yeah, it looks like it's going to get cooler the end of this week. We'll probably have another warm-up at some point here.
0: Now, would you call this Indian summer? or I think it's a little
1: early for Indian summer. Yeah. I usually think Indian summer more towards the middle of the end of October. When and, we,
0: uh, yeah, hopefully we get into the 60s, maybe brush 70, you know, as a tease and then crash and burn. Yes. But, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you got on the uh, agenda today? I oh, know uh, we have a trivia question coming up, but but um, where are we going
1: Oh well, again, that's a lot, lot of things to talk about. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention: when you're out looking at fall colors, uh, you know, those leaves on the trees and the shrubs, look down. There's all sorts of colorful fungi out there. Um, they're actually showing themselves in you know in lawns, you know open areas, but in wooded areas too, and have some really neat textures. You can get some really neat photos with those. So it, uh, you know, nice thing with these cooler temperatures, and you can go out and walk. As long as it stays cool, those mosquitoes have disappeared. But uh, with some of these warmer temperatures, I'm sure we're going to see them pop out again. Oh. Uh, it doesn't take long for them.
0: <laughs> what? Oh man! You, 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 those those
1: pest, pes- pesky mosquitoes. They, yes. just, they
0: just won't go away. No, you know? they don't. Yeah, I, I guess we need a freeze to take care of everything. But I don't want to get there quite yet. <laughs> yeah, not
1: quite yet. You know? So, like we just come. We're still out of summer almost. So it would be nice to have some nice, comfortable temperatures for a while before we get uh, cold.
0: Once again, we have a $20 gift card to Waddell's Up for Grabs for our uh, correct answer on our trivia question this morning. Um, where are we going with that? I know oh. there is just, you know, when, you were, when you're when talking Nature Watch, it is so encompassing. You have this big, you know, Oh, goodness. Pile. Yeah. You it's can... like a, have a big dart board and throw a right. dart and try to come up with some, <laughs> some topics. But, okay. Uh, where did your dart land today, sir? So, so today,
1: um, <laughs> actually, it landed on some invasive species. So Michigan has a new campaign regarding an invasive species. Okay. What invasive species is the target of the new campaign, see it, squish it, report it? <laughs> so, so again, what what is what invasive species is the target of Michigan's new campaign, see it, squish it, report it?
0: Oh, my. 382 877 3824280 The first correct caller that can answer that trivia question is, See it, squish it, report it. What are we talking about? We will give you a $20 gift card to Waddell's. Now, you know, if we don't get a uh, correct answer in the next couple, we may have to throw a clue in. We may have to. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I've, I've got a good one in, my, um, in the back of my mind since you briefed me on the uh, trivia <laughs> question. But yeah.
1: what... I thought it was good. It actually happened that just popped up. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about today, and that popped up on a email that I had, and uh, I thought it would be a very good uh, Good trivia question because this is actually uh, uh, a species that is a very great concern in Michigan.
0: Oh, my. 382-4280. What is that trivia question again?
1: So what invasive species is the target of the new campaign in Michigan? See it, squish it, report it. (laughs) There you go.
0: While we're waiting for a call and you guys are Googling like crazy and the phones are starting to light up, 382-4280-877, 382-4280. Of course, all... All this half hour, we are taking your questions about nature right here. You can text them in as well to 80373. But if you want to win that Waddell's card, don't text your answer.
1: Call. (laughs) Yes.
0: yes.
1: (laughs) So so earlier this week, I was uh, actually emptying my rain gauge out, and I have one of my red twig dogwood shrubs near my rain gauge. And I noticed that about two-thirds of my leaves had been eaten on the shrub. And my first thought was, oh, my gosh, the deer have been in my yard again. And then I looked at the leaves a little closer and realized that the leaves weren't totally gone, but just had bites out of them. And that's not typical pattern of deer. So I started looking around the shrub and found that underneath the shrub, I have some, looks like some caterpillars eating those leaves. And they had, in a week and a half, had eaten about two thirds of my plant. Um, so I had the veins still left there. And what, what I found, I actually, to do a little research and find out what it was, but I found out that it's actually a dogwood sawfly. So it isn't even a moth or caterpillar or a larva. It's a sawfly larva. And Ooh. sawfly larvae are different than uh, caterpillars from moth and butterfly.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: The, the uh, sawfly larvae have six to eight legs of prolegs. Those are the, the rear legs at the rear of the larva um, attached to the abdomen. Caterpillars only have two to five. So, again, those sawfly larvae have more pairs of prolegs. And, actually, if you look real close, those, those legs actually lack the little hooks that uh, moth and uh, butterfly le- larvae have at the end of those prolegs. Typically, they're very hairless. Mm-hmm. There's actually uh, three species of dogwood sawfly uh, here in the, in the uh, eastern U.S. Uh, originally, they thought there was only one. They go through quite a change in the different uh, instars or stages of the larvae. They uh, start out very small and amber colored, and the uh, actually their second or third stage. They actually look like a little white fungus crawling on the on the plant, and the larvae actually curl up, usually on the underside of leaves. Sometimes they're on the top of the leaf, but usually on the underside of the leaf. They actually look like bird droppings on the leaf. Oh, so
0: okay, predators there. leave them alone. There you go. Three eight two four two eight zero. Rob is on the phone with our trivia answer hopefully see it squish it report it what are they talking about It would be the lantern fly baby Ah Aha
1: <laughs> So it, specifically it's the spotted lantern fly
0: Oh right Well the, but the... actually
1: I'm going to accept that because it's um it's just a brand new uh, uh program and uh in Michigan here they just announced it this last week the uh Spotted lanternfly is actually of great concern here in Michigan. And there's actually, they've discovered it over in Oakland County on the eastern side of the state.
0: So mm. okay. uh, we'll
1: talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. But,
0: the, but, but Rob, I'll tell you what, you have a $20 gift card coming to you from Weddell's Nursery Floral Garden and Bird Center. And if you uh, stay on the line here, I'm going to put you on hold, send you back to Michael Collins, and he will get the information from you to mail out your gift certificate, okay? Okie doke. All right. Hang on, and congratulations, Rob. Now, you're you're going to uh, go a little forward on that, but I'll tell you what, before we do that, let's go ahead and take a break. Okay. We're going to talk about lanterns.
1: Spotted lanternfly.
0: Yeah. And and why see it, squish it, report it. Yes.
1: We're
2: dealing with that next right (laughs) here. This is Nature Watch on WKZL. Could your landscape use some more autumn color? Now is your chance to get the prettiest red-colored maples around while they're on sale this week at Waddell's Nursery Florist and Garden Center. Right now, save 25% on Waddell's top-quality bright red grade-A maple trees, including October Glory Maples, Brandywine, Armstrong, Matador, and Red Point maple trees. Each of these varieties will turn a brilliant red every autumn, and they're all 25% off this week. Another bright red beauty is the Autumn Blaze Maple, and you'll look forward to how it colors up beautifully each year. The extra-large 13 to 18-foot autumn blaze maples are 40% off, saving you more than $100 per tree. And to assure the best start for your new trees, Waddell's recommends composted cow manure and sphagnum peat moss. If you're running out of time, they could even set up a convenient time to plant your tree for you. Hurry in! The maple color sale ends next Wednesday at Waddell's Nursery Florist and Garden Center. Yeah, I wonder if you
0: can see the uh, lantern fly through all this fog. I just... probably can. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 54 in Kalamazoo, just a reminder, dense fog advisory until 10 this morning. So if you're out on the roads, be very, very careful. I think McKinney's golfing this morning.
1: Oh, he's going to have trouble finding the, where his ball went because uh, that's really, you can't see very far out there.
0: Use a yellow ball, Jim. Use a yellow <laughs> ball. Might want to glow in the dark
1: one or something so it shows up or a little battery-powered one with a little LED light in it or something. There you go.
0: <laughs> Nature Watch with Gary Miller from Widells, and we're talking spotted lanternflies. Yeah. Why is there such a push right now by the state of Michigan uh, to literally see it, squish it, report it?
1: So the big, big reason is, and this is actually a, an invasive from uh, Asia again, um, spotted lanternfly feeds on primarily tree of heaven or lantus trees. Um, they were used in the landscape quite a few years ago, like 100-plus years ago. still see them around. They, they become sort of an invasive species themselves in the in the tree of heaven. That's their primary food. However, they feed on more than 70 species of plants. And the concern that they have is that they really like not only maple trees, but they like fruit trees and grapevines. Mm. And the concern that they really have is with the fruit industry here in Michigan. Uh, They're really concerned because if that spotted lanternfly um, escapes and spreads out enough that it starts affecting those fruit crops, they could actually decimate the entire fruit crop production here in Michigan. And that's the big concern of them. so the the one thing you need to do is to actually identify, learn to identify spotted lanternfly, and so you can go to the Michigan DNR. They have a invasive species web page. Um, there's a Michigan in spa- Invasive.s um, org web page. Um, any of those those sites will show you photos of what the spotted lanternfly looks like, and there are some lookalikes. So they actually have lookalike photos, so you can make sure you have the spotted lanternfly. And yes, they are actually asking you to when you see it, squish it. Um, take a photo. Probably want to take a photo if you can before you squish it, because it's not going to be very uh, recognizable if uh, you uh, squish it after. Before you take the photo,
0: well, you could do it before or after too. You know, yes.
1: but they, they do want you to take actually actually kill them if you see them. Um, they have not seen them anywhere else besides in Oakland County, it's a small isolated area. It's actually in a county park, and uh, they've been really monitoring that. Uh, both the USDA and Michigan DNR. Uh, I've got quite a few groups that are really watching that, making sure it does not escape anywhere else. If you recall, several years ago, we had the emerald ash borer that just sort of exploded everywhere and uh, decimated our elm trees. And so they're really that's why they're really concerned about the spotter and lanternfly.
0: Yeah, I have a friend of mine who respects all nature. Well, she won't even squish a spider. Even yes. though she hates spiders, she still won't squish it. But this time you want to. Yes, this time you want to.
1: (laughs) So Spotted Lanternfly, the adults are roughly about an inch long. Their folded wings are gray to brown with black spots. Open wings reveal a yellow and black abdomen and bright red hind wings with black spots, transitioning to black and white bands at the edge. Egg masses, and that's another thing to watch out for when you're out hiking around looking at the fall colors, actually resemble old chewing gum with a gray, waxy, putty-like coating. And uh, they're typically deposited on trees. You might see them on, you know, on sides of buildings. They're concerned about these because if you've been in an area where spotted lanternfly has been identified, that they will travel on vehicles or other materials that you're moving from one location to the other. So keep an eye out for those. Actually, find out. You know, look at the website. Look at those photos. Identify. Like I said, they have great photos of look-alike species. They are different enough. So when you see a spotted lanternfly, you know it's a spotted lanternfly. Okay. And uh, the nymphs, the larvae, are only about a quarter to a half inch long, so very small. They're wingless beetle-like. And they usually first appear black with white spots, and then they develop red patches as they mature, usually May through September. And so there are actually some look-alike species for those larvae. And they also have photos of that in the website. So it's, uh, make sure you look and see, because uh, there are quite a few uh, insects that look very similar. Um, box elder bugs, for example, look somewhat similar to red milkweed beetles. Look similar to those larvae or little nymphs, uh, but their shapes are distinct so that's one way to identify them. And uh, with that 70 species um, with grapevines you know fruit trees, hardwood trees, what what the lanternfly nymph does is actually it sucks sap out of the host plant and it secretes large amounts of a sugar-rich sticky liquid called honeydew. And this honeydew, and the resulting black city mold on the plants can kill plants and foul surfaces. That also attracts other pests like yellow jackets, our funny yellow jackets, flies, and ants, affecting outdoor recreation and complicating crop harvests. Swarms of spotted lanternfly adults can reach nuisance levels that hinder outdoor activities. And uh, some places they've actually had some very, uh, very large swarms of uh, spotted lanternfly. And so, make sure you'll check that uh, that out as far as those look alike species.
0: Hmm. What yeah. is that website again?
1: So, it's actually the Michigan DNR, and go to their invasives species list. Um, or you can go to uh, Michiganinvasives.org. It's a nonprofit uh, website, and uh, okay. they also have all sorts of invasives. They're linked in with the National uh, Invasive Species um, Database. Okay. So, they have, they have some great photos on there, so it's actually easy to identify.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the last day of September, Gary. Um, so you know October tomorrow yeah yes And yes. I, I'm already seeing out and about a lot of a lot of the, a lot of the uh, birds are starting to push south. Oh yes, yes. And we actually had snow
1: up in Canada so up in northern Canada. And so those uh, species that uh, uh, nest up there, breed up there in the, in the spring and late spring and summer are starting to work their way south. Uh, we're seeing some large flocks. I've seen some large flocks of especially Canada geese. So some of those will move a little bit farther south, and the ones from farther mm-hmm. north will winter here. Uh, we've seen some huge flocks of blackbirds, and uh, it's interesting to watch those huge flocks of blackbirds. Uh, I had uh, there was a small flock. I'll say a small flock probably had several hundred birds in it, and they were so um, group closely grouped together. Um, they landed on my, my gravel road near my house. It looked like a black spot. I thought maybe I was Wile e. Coyote or something. They had that <laughs> spot in the road. Uh, obviously, when I approached, they flew away. So um, really interesting with those those big flocks of blackbirds. Um, when you watch them fly, they really undulate when they fly. Um, actually, it looks like a ballet almost when they're moving around. And uh, we wonder why they fly in, in those you know, thousands of birds at a time, they fly in tandem. And, you know, is there a blackbird general that's calling all the shots and leads the charge? How do they synchronize without colliding? Um, I guess the other question is, if a particular bird is klutzy, does he get kicked out? You know, so it, uh, something interesting. Um, actually, uh, one of the things I found is that uh, scientists and ornithologists have actually long tried to explain this phenomenon of, of uh, these blackbird flocks to sort of almost looks like a one-live entity, but it has thousands, many sometimes many thousands of birds. They call it a murmuration. And through the years, they've actually tried to apply logarithms and computer modeling and other forms of uh, technology to explain the aerial movement of these large flocks of birds. It has been determined that each bird coordinates its movements with six or seven of its closest neighbors. And actually, recent uh, studies have shown that seven, seven is the magic number, and uh, But they, they coordinate with those seven adjacent birds, and it's still somewhat of a mystery how they coordinate their flight. One of the interesting facts about those large flax, flocks of bat, blackbirds is that they're not all the same species. These fall and winter flocks of blackbirds uh, include red-winged blackbirds, which are true blackbirds, but also grackles, starlings, cowbirds, and sometimes even robins.
0: Hmm. Uh, now, do do some blackbirds migrate? because yes. because I, I that's all I see in the winter I see uh, just about any bird that I see out and about is black, so that would be blackbirds crows, but you were also telling me off air blue jays are still lurking around
1: oh yeah blue jays are overwinter here um robins there's a lot of robins that overwinter here, so they're really really? A, yes
0: well that kind of that kind of demunks the uh I saw the first robin of the spring yes
1: yes, yes. so a- actually the another black bird you want to watch for is actually a true sign of spring or turkey vultures.
0: Oh, really? If you think about
1: turkey vultures, they have no feathers on their head, and that head can get very cold, so they don't migrate north until they f- feel like the temperatures are going to stay warm enough, so their heads are not getting cold. So turkey vultures are actually a true sign of spring, and uh, we usually have robins. I see robins every every winter. Blue bluebirds, besides blue jays, I usually see bluebirds. Uh, starlings typically stay around here. Those European starlings. Uh, red-winged blackbirds typically migrate further south the grap- most grackles fly a little further south um, cowbirds a lot of the cowbirds fly south but we see a lot of other birds in the wintertime. time some of the species of sparrow uh finches goldfinches house finches the uh um, obviously all the woodpeckers and flickers that uh feed at your bird feeder right so yeah it's interesting with those uh Um, large flocks of blackbirds, because you'll see them land, you know, it looks like they land on a a power line or out in a recently harvested field, and uh, they're looking for insects, maybe gleaning a little bit. Usually just do more of a a rest period. Uh, But, boy, are they noisy. And it's not very much of a melody when they're out there making all that noise. Mm -hmm. And then they usually find a tree or somewhere, or trees, usually trees because there's so many of them, to find some place to roost overnight and there's nothing like, especially in a foggy morning like this morning, and you have right. that huge yeah. flock of blackbirds out there. Um, it'll wake you up if you get your windows open. That uh, <laughs> doesn't sound very pleasant.
0: Let me let me um, let me let me ask you a question here, because we're, we're going to go through a nice warm up. We'll be in the low 80s uh, yes. pretty much through Wednesday. But I was watching weather last night before I, I fell asleep and. Um, I guess we're going to go through a temperature crash.
1: Yes, it looks like it. this yeah. week, end of this yeah. week, it's going to be quite
0: cool. <laughs> yeah, this coming week, yeah, it's going to knock right down into the 50s. Now, is that the time to take down your hummingbird feeder? Or oh, are they pretty much, have they pretty much left the area and now may be the time? Or... So,
1: so, most of them have left the area. And I'm actually glad you asked that because I had somebody else ask me that same question earlier this week. Hmm. So, the rule of thumb with hummingbirds, is typically not to take those feeders down until about the middle of October, despite getting some cool temperatures. Okay. Um, you also want to do is watch those feeders and watch any flowers out there because they'll feed in so those flowers, getting some energy to, to fly south. Two to three weeks after you last see a hummingbird is the time to take the feeder down. So we've got several weeks that even despite those cool temperatures, you want to make sure that there's food out out there for them to, to feed on so they have the energy to fly south. Okay. And... Uh, so, and that also brings up another point. We've got some of those species of birds that are going to be flying through that are going to go migrate further south. You know, make sure you've got your feeders filled so they can actually get some food in there. I know that large flock of blackbirds will probably clean that feeder out in an hour or two, but uh, they need some energy too. Maybe it'll help move them on their way. <laughs>
0: yeah, There you go. Questions for Gary Miller right here on Nature Watch three eight two four two eight zero. In fact, maybe you can call it and we can test Gary's brain a little
1: bit. <laughs> you know, yeah, that might, might be a test sometimes too. <laughs> <There> <laughs> Just because go. it's such a broad subject that right, uh, right. the the uh, it's a uh, it's interesting with uh, all those flocks of birds though. Where we usually see this time of year, or starting to see, especially around bodies of water, a lot of those waterfowl. So a lot of the ducks and some of the the geese that nest much, much further north, might get lucky and see a tundra swan, maybe even a trumpeter or whistling swan, and uh, they migrate south. You may see them fly through here. Um, I always like looking at bodies of water, uh, especially this time of year, because you do see some of those uh, those ducks and waterfowl that you don't see during the breeding season or during the summer uh, that do nest further north. Oh, okay. And then you also get. Uh, the subject that uh, is always very difficult to identify, all those various warblers, uh, very hard to identify because there's so many little nuances with them. I'm no expert on identifying warblers, I can admit, and uh, but there's a lot of warblers that actually nest up in nor- northern Canada. Maybe their southern range of their nesting t- habitat is in the Upper Peninsula, and so th- those warblers, and some of them have some very unique colors, those will be uh, migrating through this area too, so... Get out and enjoy nature. Um, you know get watch those uh, wooded areas, fields, um, bodies of water. Um, I always like uh, you know when I'm driving around, uh, one of my favorite spots is actually down in St Joe County, um, the uh, St Joe River right by the covered bridge north of Centerville. Okay yeah and mm-hmm. uh, I always see unique uh, waterfowl species in there when they're migrating through. There's a little park there on the north side of the actually on the, both sides of the, uh, the St Joe River there by the, the covered bridge. Okay. And it's a good spot to observe uh, waterfowl in that. But, uh, yeah, well, it'll, we'll see a lot of those uh, those birds, uh, you know, coming through this area for the next month, month and a half, maybe almost two months, depending on how those temperatures go. They tend to migrate as it gets cooler. And uh, so they may, if it stays warm, may stay around for a little longer than typical.
0: Yeah, they're, they're predicting a very strong, or it's already here, a very strong El Nino, which is supposed to relate to Warmer than average temperatures and less precipitation, you know, for someone like me who is starting to despise winter at my age, but (laughs) you know, I, I, am kind of liking that for the record people that like to get out and recreate in the winter. Oh man, it could be a tough one. Yeah. It's
1: not, you know, it's not fun to shovel. Um, no, we we get so many temperature fluctuations, we get a lot of ice too. So it makes it uh, a little more challenging sometimes out there to move around it. Uh, it's sort of odd. It interesting, I thought, because uh, earlier they were predicting maybe a higher precipitation winter, and, yeah. uh, and now, now, now they've reversed it. So I guess they've got all the bases covered from both ends and everything in between.
0: Right, right.
1: And uh, so it'll be uh, interesting to see what uh, comes to fruition. We do need snow, though. Um, okay. We need that moisture. The soil yeah. is very dry out there. We've been dry most of the year. If you dig down a couple of feet, that, that most locations have not had a lot of rain or enough rain to replenish that soil moisture. And uh, so we do need moisture to replenish that soil.
0: Okay, uh, quick question, as uh, we only have a couple of minutes left to go, Gary. What would you do to prep your birdhouse? Oh, so actually
1: birdhouses. So those birdhouses that you have out, typically you want to clean those out. Um, the birds have, have long done nested in there. And uh, so clean those, those, feed, or those feeders, those houses out, and actually want to sanitize them. Just because we've had some avian bird flu around the last several years, we just want to make sure that those birds stay healthy. So you can use a mild bleach solution. Uh, there's uh, several products. I know we have some bird cleaning solutions at Waddell's. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so those uh, really want to make sure those feeders are, or those houses are clean so they're ready. Now's the time to do that so they're ready for those birds. When they migrate back in the spring, you've got those houses clean up and ready for them to go. And okay. it's nice to have those houses up early, so when they do come back, they're ready to actually move in. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: there you go. Uh, last second, literally for calls three eight two four two eight zero. Anything you want to uh, touch on before we start wrapping up? Well, well, actually, up?
1: one one other thing with the back a little bit to the dogwood sawfly. It's interesting with those uh, nymphs or larvae that the dogwood sawfly, the typical organic product the natural bacteria, BT Bacillus thuringiensis, the Kurstaki strain or any of the strains. Does not work on soft fly larva. And so you really want to use, actually they recommend actually brushing them off in a bucket of soapy water. Um, knock them on the ground and squish them. Mm-hmm. Or um, well you can use spinosad. It's actually a product that we carry at with dolls also.
0: Okay. Lantern bugs, squish yeah, them. Yes, see them, squish, squish them, report them. Yes. Or fly, yeah. Yeah, spotted s- lantern
1: lanternfly. See s- it, squish s- it, report it.
0: And there you go. And, and and where do they need to go to again?
1: So at Michigan DNR, the invasives page, uh, or the michiganinvasives.org. And uh, if you have questions or have some comments, subjects you'd like me to talk about, you can contact me during the week at at com.
0: Okay, there you go. Gary Miller from Waddell's. Thank you, sir.
1: Yes, thank you.